talked about why um, if we're going to really do this thing right, we're going to have to contend, be aware that there, is, there are things that we must avoid, get ourselves free out of. Um, there are, this is a serious thing. And uh, that's why I tried to be with this lesson with Saul. You know, if God's calling us to put certain things to death, if we don't do it, then the anointing of the presence of God at work in our lives the way it was intended to will die. It won't be what it was meant to be. And I really want to challenge you to think about that. Think about what it means to, when, the, when the prophet said to obey is better than sacrifice. You know, God want, God's asking things of us that he wants us to do. Not our determination of what we want to give God, but what is the Lord asking us? Because that's the key. It's like, again, Saul defined what his worship was going to look like. And God said, I appreciate that. You know, burnt offering is a wonderful thing, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, I re- what I really want you to do is what, I, to do is what I've asked you to do. Not give me a religious um, a point of, of, you know, of compliance. And it wasn't that what Jesus said when he talked about how he didn't really, he says, you worship me, we worship with our lips, but our heart is far away from him. You know, why do we call him Lord, Lord, and not do the things that he's asked us to do? And again, I'm trying to make the case that God has specific things that he's asking us uh, to look at. And that the key to our ability to move forward with him is going to be our willingness to look at those things. Now, behind that is also the idea that I think God does want us to be history makers. Now, we, that term means nothing if we, if we think of it really in the sense of the biggest picture. You know, oh yeah, I'll be a, his, be a history maker. What does that mean? I think in our, how about this? In the circle of who we are, in the span of our life, there is a history to be written. All of us are a story being written, and the people that we affect ultimately are part of that story. So truly, it is not an exaggeration to say that God does want us to be a history maker for him. There is, there is something that he wants us to be for his honor and glory. There are people whose lives, and I'm going to share a little bit, a, bit, a bit of this on Sunday, um, this weekend, but we... We are affected by the decisions of people who went ahead of us. And the way we make decisions is going to affect people coming behind us. And we're either going to set them up for spiritual success or we're going to give them a, a kind of a, a weight to carry. And I pray that we would think about how we can influence for the good. And again, what does that mean? We're going to look at what a leadership means when Carlos is going to come up here and introduce the film segment. And I think part of what you're going to see, he's going to probably, has his, he has an angle that he's going to take, and we're going to follow up tomorrow morning behind it. But, you know, this whole idea of what it means to be a leader, what it means to be an influencer, what it means to have a kind of character that God wants to develop in us. And because I think a lot of times, a lot of us don't see ourselves as leader, I'm, leaders, I, I hesitate because not everybody thinks of themselves as that, but I want to suggest again that wherever we have influence at some level, we are having some type of a leadership responsibility. And so it's not, it's not like a, for me to say God wants to expand our ability to be a difference maker in the life of a brother. 
is a statement that has to do with our character and what God's trying to work in us. Anyway, we can spend a lot of time there. I hope you hear. So I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to have Carlos come up. We're going to introduce the film segment. We're going to do what we did yesterday. He's got some, uh, uh, something. We're going, to, we're going to end it in a certain way. And so yeah, I want you to, he's going to explain what that is. But um, just, you know, we've been praying. Let's just one more time. Lord, we just come before you. Um, we bring our heart before you. Um, like David said, you know, if what you wanted from us was, was burnt offering, well, we'd bring it before you. But what you really want is a broken heart and a contrite spirit. At the end of the day, it's our will breaking at your feet. You know, you didn't want to die. You didn't want to die. But you did. And there are things that we don't want to die to. But for something to live in us, Lord, we're going to have to. We need to listen. We need to, I pray that as we watch as it were, men at war, where there is such a spirit of absolute interdependency for something of, of, of a breakthrough to occur, God, that it would dawn on us that we really, to do this thing right in you, we've got to be interconnected and dependent on one another. That if we really do want to be a kind of a difference maker for you, that we're going to have to take seriously this idea of looking at who we really are and listening for your word for us. So break us, make us, Mold us, shape us, do what you want to do, speak what you want to speak, Lord. We want to hear you. And so we just commit even this last piece of the evening, uh, we commit it to you. And after that, whatever else is going to take place, whether we spend time just having great, meaningful conversation with one another, whether we go to bed, whether we stay up and worship, and some are going to do all kinds of different things, Lord. That's the beauty of it. We have no real agenda beyond just really trying to have our spirits replenished, replenished and strengthened. And so it's, it's just a great thing to be here together. And uh, I'm thankful that we've had this time, and I'm looking forward for what we're going to share tonight and all the way through tomorrow morning as well. So um, we just thank you together in Jesus' name. All right, Carlos, come on up here, bro. And um, let's give Carlos a good, warm welcome. Brother Carlos, Carlos Jimenez. And, and, let me, and let me say something about, about Carlos real quick. Carlos, he loves people, and he loves to see people grow. Men grow, um, but I say men and women grow uh, in their walk with God. Uh, I can tell you something about Carlos. Whenever I ask him to do anything or wherever he offers to do something, uh, he puts in quality work. Uh, there is a, a craftsmanship to the way that he approaches things and a seriousness that he, he doesn't just take an assignment and go through the motions. I'm going to tell you that right now. Whatever he commits his hand to do, he does it with a, really, there's a spirit of excellence on it. And um, when I asked him to uh, take this segment here, um, we talked, we ultimately came to the conclusion of, of this clip, and uh, he just put a lot of work into preparing for it. And it, it's a statement of how much he really wants to see everybody blessed. I mean, I think it's an honest truth. And so... Um, Carlos, I love you, brother. Go for Thanks. it. All right. A lot to live up to there. <laughs> um, anyway, what, what I want us to do tonight is um, we're going to take a little aside from what we've been doing and what we're probably going to do tomorrow. Those of you who have been around me, um, you know, we're talking a lot about action, and men are beings of action, right? We, we act, we want to do. But the fact is, what really defines us, what will ultimately define us, is who we are, 
not what we do. Our being, who God has called us to be, you know, there's a variety of actions we can take, a lot of things we can do. So um, tonight we're just going to practice that a little bit. We're going to watch a film clip. We're going to take some time to reflect. And what I'm going to do after the film, I'm going to ask you to break up in groups of about five or six for some small group discussion. And then I'm going to bring us back together and I'm going to hear from you. I want to hear some comments. And I'm going to, I'm going to ask you during that time to stand up when you make some comments or summarize something you heard in the group or that really touched you so that for the rest of the time together, if somebody was struck by the same thing, at least they know your face. They might, you know, could approach you later. And if we're all sitting down when we're doing that, that makes it hard to do. So, uh, you know, go with me on this. It has a, it has a very distinct purpose. Now, the film clip we're going to see is from the uh, HBO series Band of Brothers. And this particular episode was the second episode called Day of Days. Now, I want to forewarn you, I was real hesitant to use something like this um, because there's, there's several things about it. Number one, it's about war. And, you know, depending on where one sits with that, you know, a lot of guys don't like war analogies. A lot of guys, you know, it's just not a, not a thing that works with them. The second is it's very violent. There's no way to purge the violence out of this particular episode. And I didn't want to because I wanted you to see the, the intensity of the situation that these men were in. So I ask you, I implore you tonight, try to look past the war analogy. Try to look past the violence as an end in itself. And I'm going to ask you to focus tonight on particularly on one guy. And his name is Lieutenant Richard Winters. And you'll see right away there's a scene where he's standing at the door of the plane before they make their parachute jump. That's Winters. And then you'll, you'll know who he is as the episode goes on. But as we're talking about leadership and in our discussions, I really want you to focus on what's happening with Winters as a leader. Okay? That's a really important thing. And consistent with what Pastor Terry was saying, we're really talking here about leaders. Yeah, Winters was a lieutenant. Okay, he had a position of leadership. But really, as you know, throughout this entire series, what you really see is how the man, Winters, influenced the men who were under his command. And it had nothing to do with the stripes on his arm or on his helmet. It was all about who he was. Okay? So a brief thing, just so you get a scope of what we're talking about here size-wise. Uh, Winters was a lieutenant. This was in what was called an airborne division. So in World War II, this was the first time men jumped out of planes to go into battle. So they formed the 101st Airborne Division. There was actually another. And Winters himself was a, at the start of this, ser at this episode, he's a platoon leader. And a platoon's about 10 to 12 guys. And the entire Band of Brothers series follows a group called Easy Company. And in the Army, you know, they do in military. They give a word for the letter. But it's actually E Company of, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, I won't bore you with the details. Anyway, a company is going to be somewhere generally between about 100 to 200 men. So those are the only scope that you need to understand. Initially 10 to 12, ultimately about uh, 100 to 200. Uh, so just enjoy. Uh, Keep your eyes open, and I'll get back to you when we're done. He uh, was also um, pretty clear. He was very clear on his mission. He, he even though they were seven uh, seven kilometers off course, he 
said, you know, the, the highest and most important thing we have to do is get get to those guns so we can take them out so they can land properly at Utah Beach. Okay. So. Good. Other one, Bill. Uh, when his interaction with the first guy he met up with, he said, you know, you're uh, if you were in my booth, you know, I tell you that you're a rifleman first and a radio man second. Huh. And then the, then he says too, he calms it down and says, you know, we're not lost. We're in the yeah, great line. Great line. Brace? Just, just to kind of be all in, inclusive here uh, with our whole group, we, we did a list. Okay? And so we uh, did a list, and uh, basically the bravery of the recognition that, you know, even though he didn't have a weapon, he didn't panic. And he realized where he was, what his mission was. He told the guy, we're not lost, we're Normandy. Mm -hmm. Uh, he reassured the guy that lost the radio, hey, it's not about that, mm -hmm. right, your foot's over, so. Uh, he took care of his wounded, right, the guy who was shot in the butt, who also complained about the fact, oh, I'm sorry I let you down, wow, right, but then he pushed him up out of the trench, and he applied sulfur to the wound, right, to help him out, mm -hmm. right, uh, and even though there was division and a little bit, you know, that these, you know, uh, these things were being worked out, and there seemed to be this disharmony and discord among like people. This guy's a Quaker, man, you know, and the one guy that was, you know, arrogant but didn't listen to the first order, mm -hmm. right? Right. And, uh, and that instead of, like, punching him out, right, right there on the field, he waited, you know, he didn't, uh, he had a humility about that's, himself, that's right? Mm -hmm. And uh, he felt bad for losing the guy that came up to him and said, uh, you know, hey, I, can I do something? He said, you stick with me, right? Mm -hmm. So that briefed him in a way. But then the guy that was opening up the can for him gave some consolation in the fact that he located the maps mm -hmm. that were basically able to, uh, and he always showed a constant expression of humility, mm -hmm. right? And was able to listen to the men's opinions. Huh. And he didn't, he didn't extend himself as a leader. Mm -hmm. And in that conversation where he finally took a sip of wine, right, and the guy said, well, you know, hey, doesn't that make you our leader? Right? Mm -hmm. He said, yeah, I guess so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and he just waited on the acceptance of his men. And the thing that, that really stood out for, I think, all of us is the fact that he, uh, you know, he, he truly was a man of peace. Mm -hmm. But this was a real war, right? This was a war against the Jews, right, which has always been through history, right, and, uh, but he sought the Lord, and uh, he prayed that, you know, when he got through, that he could return to a place of peace. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else on that first segment? Uh, yes. <laughs> that was, hold on. We, we're going to, you're going to get a chance to cover that part, don't worry. Thank you, Brace. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, he had a humility about the whole acceptance of leadership. But we 
saw that it was needed, he kind of stepped up to the plate. That's right. Good. And he did it in a humble way. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of the men respected that. that humble, you know, because sometimes leaders think they have to be extra macho mm-hmm. in order to accomplish what they need to accomplish. Exactly. Now, what you didn't, what you didn't know uh, by not, you know, by just catching this one segment, is that plane L four that the engine caught fire, then the thing exploded, the whole, and then it went down. That was Lieutenant Meehan's plane, and you know, in the in the earlier, in an earlier, ep- in the first episode, they show who he is. So you would you would recognize that in that moment, if you'd been watching the series, that you know they he was done. So it was conjecture to the men who obviously didn't know. But, you know, as, as a viewer, as you watch through the series, you would have realized that was Mian's plane going down, and so it did change things for, uh, for Winters. One of the things that we observed was he was the first one off the plane, so he set the tone to lead, so that immediately built trust and camaraderie, or what we call in the street of four. Mm-hmm. So it created kind of a unity of command naturally. Mm-hmm. Although there was Mr. G there that uh, was kind of challenged us a little bit, but everyone fell in line because they didn't maybe they didn't necessarily like him, but they respected him. And at his go, when he was in the battlefield, upon his command, people danced to the beat of his command, and they did their role really well. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Now there's a couple of things. If you noticed, um, Winters was a leader. He didn't need, now, it, Pastor Terry, what Pastor Terry said is right. If, if we're a leader, people need to follow us. But by the same token, we don't need people to fall, to be around us to act like a leader. Then people will gravitate. And if you noticed, he landed on the ground, and the first thing he did, there was just one guy. And then he immediately took the position of leadership. And as you notice throughout that first segment, everyone that got added to the group just basically coalesced around him. There was nothing spoken. He didn't, as you say, he acted very humbly, but nothing was spoken. He just exuded leadership. Yes, he had the stripes, but you could see by and large that you know, the people coalesced around him. They, they fed off of his, his lack of fear, his calm his sense of perspective, and that, that had a significant impact on the men. Okay, So that, that would be one. I like the line about we're not lost, we're in Normandy, because that was really true. Now, one other thing, and this is an inside thing you wouldn't have known from watching this episode. In the first episode, they specifically prohibited maps. They did not want the men getting caught with maps that maybe showed what the the paratroopers were going to do or where people were going to be. So they expressly forbade the carrying of maps. Now the interesting thing about Winters, what does he do? He makes a map, and if you glanced at it, it didn't have any markings except the causeways, but it didn't say number here and you go there or anything. It was just a map that he made by himself. And did you notice where he had it tucked? in the crotch of his pants with his, uh, with his compass, okay? So this was a case where there was a, there was a rule made, somebody made a rule, and by all standards, when you think about the military, you're not gonna let everybody decide whether they're gonna carry a map or not, are you? 
And this is true sometimes of leadership. This is what we run into. We have to make a rule, okay? But people of character, not that they can bend any rule, but people of character take precautions, and that's what Winters did. And if it hadn't been for him technically breaking the rule, but in a way that would not compromise anyone, that's the thing, right? See, he had foresight. Then they, who knows where they would have been? But as soon as the guy said, I saw this on the sign, he pulled out his map, covered his head, and then they, he knew immediately where they, <clears throat> excuse me, where they needed to go. So that was, a, that was a very big aspect of his leadership. Okay, now, we, they get to the place, and uh, what transpires there? What, what did you see in that little period before they go out to attack this uh, gun position? What did you see? In that waiting, oh, by the way, um, let me, I'm sorry, I'll give it to you. Uh, we heard the comment over there, it was really true. Garnier was really antagonistic to his leadership, wasn't he? And I mean, when he called him a Quaker, he wasn't like praising him, was he? Okay, and what did you take from that, anybody? What, what does that tell us that, what did, what did Garnier, what do you think Garnier was saying by that? Okay. Okay, good. Exactly, exactly, okay. And so Garnier really was putting the whole thing about a Quaker is basically you're a wimp. You know, you, you, the guy didn't even have a gun, so first of all, he couldn't have fired, but that didn't matter to Garnier. Garnier was looking at it like, you know, who's this wimp that I got now commanding me? And, you know, when you get, yes, John. It was a measured response, right. And we saw on the road, as they went along, one of the other guys even said to Garnier, hey, all he wanted you to do was wait for his command. He wasn't trying to do anything else. And clearly, Winter's response wasn't an over-response. So he didn't give Garnier some reason to get, okay, so these are all principles of leadership we're seeing in this. Okay, now they get to the town, so, so uh, what happens when they, when they come to this rally point and before they get their assignment, what, what if anything did you see there? Yes, Don, sorry I forgot about you. And even more so because Buck Compton, who was the guy that was there talking with Winters, was actually the same grade as Winters. He was a lieutenant. But in the, in the hierarchy of who was going to become company commander, Winters was the next in line. The guy Spears that walked up and took the cigarettes was in, a, in an entirely different company. All right. Any other any other thoughts? That's good. You notice he yes, Paul. Yeah. Um, I think it's distinct that the 
You know, for a split second, could have lost the whole company, but he didn't. He held himself and he just, you know, walked with the moment. The job had gotten done. Okay, we'll just let it pass. But one of the things that I noticed in the lieutenant was that a lot of like we, I see, I've seen in the almost three years that I've been here, there's a reluctancy to be the leader. Kind of like said, oh, yeah, I am, but mm-hmm. you know, kind of hesitant, you know. And he kept hesitating. It was like three times, and he would say, "Well, aren't you?" Yeah, I guess okay. And he went up front, mm-hmm. and then finally at the end there, when he came up on, into the truck and they were eating, and the guy said something to him, you know, and he was like, yeah, I am, I am the command, mm-hmm. you know, I am in control here, you know what I mean, but it took him a while <coughs> before he actually was on his heart to say, you know what, okay, I am. But see, you know, it is our tendency, and I'm not, uh, I, I don't say this critically, okay, but it is our tendency that if somebody doesn't quite step up, if somebody doesn't respond right away, it's just a natural thing for us to view this as a sign of either weakness or indecisiveness. And really what it was in winters, you see this as you go on, was as pure a demonstration of humility as you could possibly get. He was not going to recognize himself as a leader until he knew definitively that he was the guy. Okay, he was going to step out there. And you notice that not having that recognition in his own mind didn't stop him from acting like the guy in charge, did it? It was just that little difference, and that's, it was such a great example of humility. You know, it didn't stop him from acting like the leader. He went right out there, he did what he was supposed to do, but yet, until that one moment, and actually, you know, I don't think anybody knew about me and at that point either, they just figured he was gone, but by the acknowledgement of the men, was was one of the one of the big ones okay alright within the within the thing itself within the actual battle scene itself what what observations did you take away or what what things did you see anyone John <laughs> like in the um, like in like in the battle like in the battle scene he was really concerned for the wounded man you see the how when I when I watched it, and being from being a military brat, being in the military myself, he had a confidence about him. He knew what he was doing. He knew about the objective, what he was going to what he was going to do, and how he was going to accomplish it. Okay. And he just he, he pursued he pursued the objective calmly, rationally, and completed it. Okay. You know what that is, Lee? Oh, is that thing? Okay. And I think that's what we could, you know, stepped on a landmine. Got it. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that's what we can use in, 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 in the Christian walk as, as, as future leaders is is attain the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, like like Terry was saying about taking take the you know the kingdom of God by force. And okay. By, and by not being passive, he wasn't passive. Right. He was very aggressive, but he had a quiet, what I call quiet aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. He didn't boast about it. He just said, okay, here's what we're going to do. This is how we're going to accomplish the goal. Good. Question back there. Let's see. We had to. Go ahead. Well, we talked about the 
Mm-hmm. Right. Good. Uh, there was another hand back there. Well, I mean, that's certainly a that's certainly a point for discussion. What I what I would say to you is, um, as a leader, there is nothing you better ask anyone to do, and I can say this from experience, that you are not prepared to do yourself, or that you have not done yourself. Now, in some cases, we don't do them, but if if you're not willing to take certain risks or do certain things, and you're asking people to do them on your behalf. Then, then that's one thing. And I'm not talking about every single circumstance here. I'm just saying that if one is in a position where one has taken risks or put oneself forward as a leader, then yes, it, not every time do you have to go forward. I mean, there are times you have to call people to do difficult things. But in this case, I think it was very critical, given what was going on with the men, that he take a very aggressive stance. And if you noticed, there were certain terms that he used several times, let's go, not you go, or, you know, here we go, or, you know, let's go. And then when, when he led the frontal assault, he said, follow me. That was critical, follow me for, for his men. Now, if he'd gotten killed, the fact is, his men were so well trained, and they showed what their training was, he basically had to you know, just put things in motion, and you see this as the series goes on, and, and they knew what to do. It was because of their training they were able to do that. So in that sense, I think it wasn't, it wouldn't, yes, it would have been a great loss to lose a man like that, but um, he, you know, he, he the, 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 the uh, platoon would have just as well gone on. It would have been sad to see him lost, but the men knew what they were supposed to do. Well, I'll tell you a backstory about that, and, and it's a segment that that I cut out of this episode for very specific reasons. Um, Spears, now that you bring it up, Spears was an example of the opposite kind of leadership, because what happened in the segment we cut out is Spears had gone up the road, taken those cigarettes, and gunned down a number of prisoners in cold blood. 
So then he came back, and that's why there was that scene with Malarkey drinking his water, kind of with his hand shaking. I didn't feel that that was necessary to show it to you, but this is what happened with Spears. And then when you notice, when Spears got out there on the field, yeah, he came and brought the ammo, but did you notice the kind of assault he led on the final gun? It was some willy-nilly, just, they weren't even down in the trench. They just ran up in there all crazy and... You know, and you, uh, the reason I say that to you is you contrast it against the, the very measured, even a measured on the fly approach that Winters took. So there's a real contrast, and they use Spears in part of the series as it goes on to really contrast these two styles of, uh, of, of leadership. Somebody had their hand up over here. Phil? Yeah, I felt like he assumed his leadership. He didn't presume it. He just kind of stepped into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they would. I mean, but he didn't say, give me your gun. He just let him hold on to his own weapon and just pull it out and go his knife. And that's a little thing. I felt like that's kind of big. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, go ahead. One last one, and then I want to be respectful of your time because I have some some closing comments. So let's just hear um, uh, from Jeffrey and Jim, James, and then we'll we'll wrap it up as far as comments. Go ahead, James. Oh, Jeffrey, go next. Thank you.
Yes. Mm -hmm. So in all the situations, um, he didn't change because of the work he'd done on himself. And when I was doing the prep work for this, I mean, I didn't, I didn't use it. Um, you know, if I'd done a teaching on it, it might have been different. But when I was doing the prep work, the, the phrase that came to me was, ordinary men can do extraordinary things. And Winters, even if you see him in his middle age, this guy, you know, he's born in Pennsylvania. He's just a plain vanilla guy an ordinary man and I bet when he went back into uh, uh, into life we know this about reading history he was just a plain old guy but he was able to do extraordinary things because he had extraordinary character so it's just what James is talking about what needed what was built into him during the time he was training and who he was as a man and a young man came out under these extraordinary circumstances and the result was, was a, a perfect match. And for us in, in aspiring to leadership, inspiring to influence others, that's the critical thing and it, and it totally ties into what we've been hearing about in this retreat. It's the internal preparation, who you are, not what you do necessarily that defines ultimately your ability to really serve the Lord in effectively, if we will. Jeffrey. Many of the answers who are consequences based on choice. And I see three things that are parallel structure. You know, like a triangle, you have you know, two vertices and one up there, a very strong thing. And you can shell that in any scene. What is the general formula Thank you. Thank you. All right. You know, last night, uh, Tom? Yeah. I, I know he, was, he led by example. And um, at the end, all those bronze stars and stars and silver stars nope. is proof that this man was a leader. Not so much so that they even took his strategy and put it into the West Point Military War College. Mm -hmm. that, that says you're yeah, yeah, that, that, I made sure to leave that up because what happened, this wasn't just an isolated incident. I mean, the, the, what was done there, and mind you, it was done on the fly, wasn't it? There was no plan. They didn't even know how many. They thought there was probably going to be four guns. They figured there would be a machine gun covering to the rear, but they didn't know anything else. Literally, they had no idea what they were getting into, and yet, in the midst of that, by the discipline and the, and the character of his leadership, they, they formulated a plan on the fly and, and were able to adapt to the situation. And so that's why it was later recognized, and to this day is still taught as a, as a battlefield tactic in the, at the military academy at, at West Point. Now. Um, 
just one quick thing, Brace, because we, we have we have to be respectful of people's time. Yeah. Good point. Thank you. Okay. Um, you know, Pastor Terry talked last night about taking hold of. And when we see something like this, what we realize is if, if, we're, if we're pursuing any form of leadership, taking hold of is, it's there, but it's really not about us. It is because we've got to be the ones to go grab it and take hold of it. But it's really about what it's going to do for other people. And that's why God gives it to us. You see, in the case of Winters, his leadership wasn't so that he could be, you know, the big bad guy. His leadership was to take care of his men and get things accomplished. And that's true, too, in the kingdom. God wants us to take hold of things, not for our own glory, but so that his purposes can be accomplished, particularly through others. Because that's what we do as leaders. We influence people. We bring them along. We help them to realize God's purposes for their life. And if we have a common goal, then we're working commonly towards that. And I was thinking um, about a story that uh, I had read a number of years back tying this to us on a, on a more personal level. There was a fellow named Dawson Trotman, and he was the uh, founder of a group called the Navigators. Some of you may have heard of them. The Navigators are, are essentially a discipling ministry that, that work uh, primarily on college campuses. And so the story was there a guy that gotten sent out to a college campus and had you know done all this stuff and was setting up ministries and doing all of these things and so uh, Dawson came out to visit him and he boy he was excited you know the president the founders coming to see my ministry here at the college and stuff and so man he's just rattling a mile of the minute showing Trotman this and showing him that and everything and at the end when they're finally just having their their last time together Dawson Trotman looks him right in the eye and he says well you know that's great but where is your man Show me your man. And he says, what do you mean? Yeah, this is great, the structure you built. Who are you discipling? Whose individual life are you touching? And that's what it's about for us here. Now, we heard tonight from 1 Samuel 15. What did it say? To obey is better than to sacrifice. What do you mean by that? Well, if you think of this in terms of the Great Commission, what does it say? What is God's great mandate? Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So when we're talking about obedience in this sense, go and make disciples. Men, go and make disciples of your brothers. You want to build a ministry? Great. You want to build a structure? Great. You want to have all these great tools? That's fine. But they, they should never come at the expense of your man. And there isn't anyone here who can't have a man. 
Even if you just started along the path three months ago, you already are probably further along than the person who doesn't know anything about the Lord and just walked in the door. And we forget that. Oh, you got to be prepared. You got to be like Pastor Terry, or you got to be like Carlos or Pastor Skip, or some guy that, you know, gets up there and teaches. No. Do you know how to love God? Are you learning some steps? Maybe somebody who knows nothing can benefit. Where is your man? And we look in, uh, uh, as a final thing, look in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to close with this. Because this is what I want to encourage you in. What it means to have your man. And you know what? As Pastor Terry said, I think you said it earlier today, sort of kind of all blending together here. <laughs> but if we are going to reach our God-given goal and purpose as a church, we have to each have our man. We have to be bringing men along, encouraging them, standing by them. Look what it says in uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, verses 1 through 3. I'm reading from the uh, New King James. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Okay? And that's really what we're talking about. This isn't just about us this weekend. It's good for us to have it. It strengthens us. Maybe we were in a place where we needed to hear a word. But it's really about entrustment. That's why I'm here. That's why Pastor Terry's here. We want to entrust with you that which God has given us. And then in turn have you do that. Now I've been mentoring guys. Some of you know that for a while. And... Um, It's, um, it's, it's kind of an, uh, an emotional thing for me because um, there was a, a circumstance recently where this guy I've been working with heard about a problem with another brother. And um, he didn't have to call me for my advice. He didn't have to go seek anything out. He knew what to do. And... Uh, as a man, I can't tell you how that made me feel. That a guy that I've been working with, he just knew what to do. He just stepped right out. I didn't have anything to do with it. As it turns out, I didn't have anything to do with the situation. I was kind of late to respond. I was away, but I caught it through email and, and heard what was going on. And that's what we're talking about. Not that I'm great or this brother's great, but that's what we're about, linking the chain. He's taken what I gave him, he gave it to somebody else. And that's what we're about here, more than anything else. Yeah, personal holiness. Yes, seek the Lord. Yes, be zealous. But it's about standing together. So let me just pray and close this tonight.
Lord, we live in a culture that wants to isolate us. It wants to isolate us and build us into something that it wants us to be. Super macho guys, tough men, independent men, island men, standing alone, toughing it out, us against the world. And Lord, we know that your word calls us to something radically different. Your word calls us to radical interdependence. Radical accountability. Living in the light. Lord, help us this evening as we go on our way to keep that message in mind. To remember that we are in a battle against our culture. We are in a battle. Everything is working against us to, to split us off, to make us independent, to shame us, to, to break us apart. And Lord, I pray that you would work through all the men here, everyone in our church, Lord, that they would be able to stand together, to lift one another up, to be there for one another. And Lord, we know all it takes is one guy with another guy. That's all. We don't need tens and twenties and thirties on one. We just know that it can be done one heart at a time. So we pray, Lord, you would inspire us tonight. You would show us when we leave here this weekend, someone, some situation where we can express your love to a brother. Be with us tonight as we go on about the evening, Lord. And we just thank you for this time. Amen. Are you going to break small groups?